The Giants made things interesting in Hollywood, but ultimately fell short, dropping to 0-4 on the season. We break down the good and the bad from Big Blue in the 17-9 loss to the Rams. Is this team progressing? We're also excited to chat with another former teammate of mine. He was a Pro Bowl defensive end that also won two Super Bowls. He's now across the pond. It's the great OCU Manura. All that and more comes at you next on Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome back to Blue Rush, New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you find your podcast. And please, if you're using Apple, give us that five-star rating. Write in a nice review. We appreciate your feedback, your critiques, and your support. Joining the show today is number 72, two-time Super Bowl Giants defensive end and also a Troy University grad, O.C. Yora. But first... Let's bring in the host of Blue Rush. He's been covering the Giants for over 25 years at the New York Post. It's Paul Schwartz. And he kicked the Giants to two Super Bowls. It's another Troy member, LT, the other LT, Lawrence Tynes. Tynesy, Paulie, take it away, fellas. Paul, there were some punches thrown after the game, but ultimately we couldn't land the knockout punch at the end of regulation. Lawrence, yeah. Um, when a team is 0-4, there's, um, there might be some uh, jabs, some body blows, but you're right, no knockout punch. Nobody ever hits the canvas when they play the Giants. It's the Giants that always end up face down, uh, you know, feet back on the, on the the in the ring. It, it's, um, you know, it's getting, it's getting tiresome. There's no question about it. Joe Judge mentioned proud, proud, proud several times. The Giants went into... Uh, the Rams game in LA. They were almost a two touchdown underdog. They uh, shattered that point spread, obviously, had a chance to win. What I'm wondering, Lawrence, is do teams split offense, defense? Have you seen that? Can that happen? Because clearly this defense is playing well enough to win games. The offense is not. Is that is that a fear with a team like this? It, it can certainly happen. Um, I have not been on teams, maybe in Kansas City, a couple times, you know, we had some really good offenses and maybe a, a not so good defense, but um, it can for sure happen. You do have to guard against it. But I think this is such a new team and everyone's just kind of going, sticking to the process, trusting the coaches. Um, you're, I don't see that yet, but ultimately they're going to have to start winning some football games uh, so they can all come together. I think yesterday was an improvement defensively. I think I, I mentioned this on Twitter. I think this defense is legit. I mean, to, to hold that offense to 17 points, they've got a really good defense. Offensively, still a work in progress. A little too little too late. Again, second half, they get going. I don't know why they can't start faster. It, it Start faster is an understatement. I mean, th- this beginning of the game, their first series, Lawrence, they come out and, and th- don't forget, in Chicago two weeks ago, whatever they're doing on the road, whatever food they're giving them on the flight, yeah. uh, whatever hotel laundry service they're using, they have to change all this stuff because, you know, they were awful right out of the gate in Chicago. Now they, after this trip to LA, the first offensive series, they lost eight yards. I it mean, that... You know, so they come out and they look like they don't know what they're doing on offense. Then the defense comes on the field and the Rams run down the field and score at seven nothing. At that point, you're thinking what? Oh, here we go again. I mean, <laughs> I think everyone is. Yeah. Um, you know, they they got off to such a horrible start, and and I don't know if it's it's this staff that's new. They're trying to figure out what are we good at, which 
you know, you see some of that late in the games, but why can't you script 10 to 15 plays early that get the ball quickly to Evan Ingram, get the ball on an easy run, maybe outside the tackles, get the ball in space, quick, quick hitters, just positive yardage. Starting off losing eight yards, the whole team's going, oh, crap, here we go again. It's just not a good mindset to be in when you're going to go play a team that you expect to score 30. Ultimately, that didn't happen, but they need to get off to a much better start. And I think that's going to come with these coaching staff, the coaching staff understanding what they do well. And I don't think they know what that is yet. Well, Joe Judge has said uh, before the season and certainly during the season, he said the first month. Now, he's not saying excuses, you know, give me a pass for four months. But he, he, you know, for a full month, but but he has said it's going to take three or four games for us to figure out who can play, who can't play, who can play where, who can do this, who can do that. And so, you know, he was happy that they didn't play any division game in the first four, but that's a little bit down the road. In the first yeah. half of this game, Lawrence, the Giants had 67 total yards. Uh, Daniel Jones was sacked four times. And I thought the play that really I looked at and shook my head, you know, more than, you know, I shook my head a lot, but really shook my head violently was uh, the last play of the first quarter, I believe it was. Now, they're not going to snap the ball, right? They're not going to snap the ball. They're going to let the clock run out and go into the second quarter. Kevin Zeitler gets called for a false start. And they're not going to snap it. They're just going to let it go. Everyone knows they're not going to snap the ball. I mean, these are the kind of dysfunctional things on offense where I look at and I say, you know, Kevin Zeitler's a veteran. This shouldn't be happening. Where is the disconnect? Well, you remember Sean mentioned it. He said the, the two guards are the guys that are probably playing the worst on that offensive line. We all want to point to the tackles because I think as a fan, it's easier for us to sit there and say, hey, Thomas got beat or Fleming got beat or Matthew Pert. It, it's really easy for us to see that, but nobody really looks inside. I mean, I saw I saw poor Nick Gates get absolutely ragdolled on a play yesterday. But I'll say this, that that sucker competed. That offensive line, I thought, competed and gave us a chance. Didn't get it done ultimately, but, you know, Sean mentioned it. Three, four games is not enough. He said that's the best five we got. I believe him. I think even after yesterday against that defensive line, the first half was abysmal. But the one sack in the second half was not on the offensive line. Daniel Jones should have taken that ball around end because he stood in the pocket way too long. His internal clock was... You know, I think it was third or fourth quarter when they got that that only sack in the second half. He should have been gone. You know, there's a couple of times where he needs to use his skill set. We saw him use it. We saw him not use it the last play of the game. He should have used it, and he didn't use it. So, again, he's only a 16-game starter. I think he's our guy. I still believe in Daniel Jones. Yeah, I know. You You. You know, I, I follow you on Twitter. Um, yep. I. You know. That's my good. guy. In good times and in bad, I understand. You know, I don't know if it's a little false bravado with you with this Daniel Jones and and social media stuff. You know, kind of uh, keep the uh, you know let let keep a stiff upper lip. You know, you're from the, that side of the pond, also, aren't you? Somewhere That's right. Little, I yeah, am. But, you know, very very prim and proper, and we can't uh, we can't we can't uh, you know the the poor young lad from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, there are some disturbing signs. You know, there's some good signs. You know, he wriggled out of trouble once and you know he got the ball down the field he can run we know that but uh before we get to that well well let's get to that last interception you know we, we can jump around a little yeah. bit because we know everyone knows what happened I mean you know the last series the, he, he throws a 33 yard pass to Darius Slayton right and and I don't know about you but I'm thinking well maybe this is going to be DJ's moment you know maybe this is his his comeback here in LA right mm-hmm in Inglewood, I guess, more to be exact. And then he runs for 11 and he runs for 13 and you kind of get the sense, oh man, this is, this is, this is, this cooking here a little bit, but that interception, he had room to run. He didn't. That's a, that's a feel thing. I get it. That's a feel thing. He tries to throw the ball. He's late. It's behind. 
Damon Ratley, uh, Darius Williams makes a terrific interception. It was a great play, but that is, you know, that's the difference right now, isn't it? You know, between winning and losing, he does not make the play that you need to make. He doesn't make the, you know, the highlight. What, what, what gives you such confidence that Daniel Jones is going to make that play someday? I don't know what it is, but I, I've seen good quarterback play. I, I like his demeanor. I like the player. I just think, listen, when he goes out there, and I mentioned this on Twitter, who is his number one receiver doesn't have one? Who's his number two, Slayton? And then we've got a bunch of just guys. And I, I, I'm i not being disrespectful. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, hold, oh. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What about the quarterback elevating the people around him, right? What about elevating? I mean, That's you know, fine. Eli had some really good players, but then there were years he didn't have good players. Good. He, made, he made the greatest play in Super Bowl history to a receiver, David Tyree, who was a special teams guy. He elevated him, you know, in, in some he ways. You know, so that was not in his first season. Okay. Well, Daniel Jones in his second season. He's not really. He starts his second season on Sunday. No, no, no. no, He's going to be evaluated for 12 games moving forward. I may change my opinion of him at the end of the season, but he is now not a rookie anymore. He started 16 games. Okay. Comparison up there. I am giving him a 12 game season right now. Daniel Jones is going to be evaluated under a very, very watchful eye by me the rest of the way. All right, here we go. The, the Twitter the Twitter watchful eye of, of Lawrence Tyne. That's right. Here we go. Very good. Now, talk about uh, watchful eyes and evaluations. Uh, Joe Judge, the Giants are down 10-9. They're facing a fourth and four on the Rams' 48-yard line. Okay. They used to punt the ball away. Uh, at that moment in time, no revisionist history, at that moment in time, they're down by a point. They're at midfield, fourth and four. At that moment in time, the Lawrence Tynes thought process is what? I didn't mind it. Their defense was playing so well. I really didn't mind the the, the punt there because I think he had so much confidence in his defense to, to get have the ability to get another stop and then kind of regroup from there. But obviously, in hindsight, it wasn't the right play. Yeah, Judge said, you know, to your line of thinking, Joe Judge said, it's just the best decision we thought at the time for the team. Our defense was playing good. Yep. We're winning the field position. You want to get them on a long field and let our defense play. So what happens? Riley Dixon, who I know you like, yep. gets them punted down to the nine-yard line. Perfect, right? And yep. then it's the defense, which bends, bends, bends. It doesn't break, breaks. There is a bust in the secondary. Darnay Holmes, a rookie blitzes. The second-year safety, Julian Love, is supposed to protect. I think you, you, your eyes are better than mine on this. Supposed to protect the middle of the field. He does not. Cooper Cup catches the ball. He puts uh, James Bradbury, the best defensive player on the field, in a very bad position. He can't bring him down 55 yards later, touchdown. I'm going to question Bradbury for a second. We've been giving him a lot of credit there. But on that play, I thought he could have given a better effort. I'm not going to say he gave up on that play, but I saw him in space and he just kind of looked like, oh, well, which way do I go? All right. Now, now Um, you're you're doing what what people in my profession do all the time. We talk about effort. Yeah, that was was questionable. I'm going to be honest with you. That was questionable effort. Yeah, Bradbury particularly said it was technique. He said he got my feet stationary. I should have taken a different angle. So, so he 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 was on itself. He 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 beat himself up for letting the guy score untouched, but he said it was a technique issue, yeah. not a effort issue. Okay? That's a, that's the veteran answer. Veteran answer. Instead of saying I didn't give a damn, Instead I just of saying I, I suck. <laughs> yeah, the technique got me. Okay, moving yeah. on. 
Yeah. See, that's the beauty of being a kicker, Lawrence. You can't, you can't, you know, miss I can't a, hide. I could never hide. You right. can't miss a 40-yard field goal and say, you know, I just really yeah, didn't care on that one. You know what I mean? I didn't really care about that field goal. You still you. My plant foot, my drive foot, my this, the holder. Always yeah. say the holder. That's always the thing. Oh, no jeez. You know, but yeah, I always said I, I lived in the pass fell business, ARF. You, so. did. you know, look at the end of the game, you mentioned it earlier. We talked about knockout punches at the end of the game. And, and, you know, this is something not being there. You, you kind of lose a little bit. Uh, there's a brawl after the game. Yeah. I'd like an insider player take on this. Look, let's give a little background for people who don't know. It's kind of a sundry and sordid tale, I guess. Yeah. But Golden Tate, the Giants receiver has, a, has a sister. She has two kids with, Jalen Ramsey, the Rams' great cornerback. I guess when she was pregnant with the second child, Jalen Ramsey left her for another woman. Okay, is that the the uh, the Cliff Notes version of what's going on that's, here? That's exactly what. Yes, that's the Cliff Notes. Version. There's been some bad blood between them. Uh, nothing uh, physical. Some some uh, some uh, you know tough guy Twitter talk and some you know he'll see me on the field that kind of stuff. So uh, during the game, what did you see during the game? I know there's one hit you liked in particular during the game. Loved it. Absolutely loved him getting depleted. Sorry. Uh, just listen. If you're going to talk smack, do something about it. Like, you got to back it up. Like, don't just talk smack. You got to see me. Yeah, well, we saw you. You didn't do very much, okay? You dropped a ball late in the game that was a pretty big drop. You didn't do much in between there. I just think you got to do your talking in between the whistles. Jalen Ramsey did. And to his credit, he made, you know, listen, he was all over the football field. I, I Listen, I, I don't like to get into personal family issues. I mean, that's that's between them. But, like, in terms of the football, it brought a little bit of an element. But let's let's be honest, Golden Tate didn't show up. Well, look, and you said, you know, you don't like to get into it. That's between them. They they put it to the surface. You know, we, you know, uh, uh, Paul Schwartz from the New York Post didn't dig it up. Uh, yeah. Lawrence Hines didn't, you know, look into this crystal ball and dig it up. So after the game, the two teams meet, right? You know, they still social distancing. These guys just go at each other. Social yeah. distancing. Yeah. They go at each other like a bunch of street guys, right? And, and you know, I want to ask you this. Is, you know, Joe Judge is talking about culture and, you know, we're in this together and, you know, we, we're, a, you know, Know, this is the guys I want to go to battle with. And I look at this as Golden Tate taking a personal vendetta and just playing out like he's in the schoolyard in middle school. Yep. And whether he threw the first punch or, yeah. or Jalen Ramsey threw the first punch, we all know this was percolating. What does Joe Judge do about this? I mean, this is a guy taking taking himself above the team in this situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm like I said, I'm sure he had a conversation with him prior to the game. And there was no penalties or fouls during the game. The production wasn't there. I'm sure he'll talk to him again because, again, it just sheds bad light on this program. We have a ton of other issues, and yet here we are, lost a close football game. They played better, but we're going to talk a little bit. We'll spend some time on it like we are, and most talking heads will, on this fight that no one really knows what happened because we have the most heinous iPhone video from 250 yards away. We don't know who's in the middle there. We assume it's Tate and and Ramsey, but you know, listen, you know my thoughts on him. I think he's he's a come and gone type player. I think he's he doesn't have a role in this football team moving forward or next season. And if you can get something for him, get rid of him. I I, I don't know if I disagree with anything you said. I just think that when you know the situation is there, and and Tate is walking out to the midfield, 
And either Joe Judge is there. Look, Joe Judge is not his bodyguard. You know, he's got to go, you know, do his thing with Sean McVay or whatever. But boy, I, I think he really stepped outside the program, Tate. And whether he instigated or not, we all knew this was coming. And and look, right, Lawrence, when you're when you're in school and, and there's a bully and you know he's after you and you're after him, if you I don't know if that's ever happened with a with a you know kind of a skinny kicker, but um if there was that situation, then either you walk to him and get in the fight or you walk away from him and and not get in a fight, right? He, he yeah. chose to walk to him. He chose to walk to yeah. him. So, you know, we, we not good. Yeah. Remember how you talked about the, when I said something kind of condescending about the media? I mean, here you are just saying just a small kicker, just a little guy. I mean, come on. We're about to have a yeah. new Ramsey versus Tate feud right here on the podcast. Schwartzy versus Tynesy. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll see me on the podcast. You'll time. see okay. me. Hey, you'll you got to see me, Schwartz. You'll, you'll see me on the podcast, okay? You got to see me. Get your points down. Get your opening and closing down, all right? And just concentrate on what you have to do and not about what I'm writing about you, okay? Hey, can we highlight some good, good like Wayne Gallman, I thought? Man, give him some more carries. Goodness gracious. You know what? There's a few I like times, him. There's a few times in the game where Devonta Freeman, he, he made a cut and he made a read, and I said and that looked good. good. Well, but there's also times where I said he looked like a guy who does not exactly know what he's seeing and feeling because he really hasn't been around football for a long time. You know what I mean? So he looked quick, but he didn't look decisive at times. We've been down this road with Wayne Goldman. He looks okay for a while. You know, he's not a between-the-tackles guy. He likes to take it outside a little bit. But, yeah, look, the day after the Giants ran for, what, 130-something yards, uh, it wasn't all Daniel Jones. That was better. That was better. That's what's so frustrating. There was not no running game. There was some running game. Um, you know, Freeman and Gallman, maybe there's something there where they can be, you know, pedestrian, but not awful. I agree. You know, yeah. what, what do you think of Matt Pert getting, uh, uh, I think he got 12 snaps at right tackle for Cam yeah. Fleming. Is this a I like game? him. Yeah, he's developing, right? We're a month into the season. He had a month of training camp. I think they really like him. You know, Sean did tell us that obviously Flemings are the right guy for now. But listen, we're not there at practice seeing the improvement. And I actually had a really nice conversation with Matt Pert prior to to the season starting when I had a chance to talk to some rookies. But I really liked what he was about. And he sounded like a kid who was motivated to be great. So we'll see. I think he's going to be a, a, a future starter for this football team. They drafted him pretty high. And He's got the right makeup. Um, I don't know if you've spent any time with him, but he I had a nice visit with him for about an hour on the phone. I I like the kid. He 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 asked the right questions about how do I have a long career and what do I need to do? And I, I like kids like that. I, I mean, for him to reach out to me and just talk to me about football was pretty cool. Well, I like kids who are going into the right tackle business who are six foot seven and Call the kicker. And, and 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 they're 320 pounds, and uh, everyone says he's skinny and he needs to gain weight, right? Yeah, that's, 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 yeah. yeah. so I mean, he he he's he gonna carries you know, it well. Yeah, boy, he's got arms like a you know a pterodactyl. He's um, <laughs> you know you know that's what you want, right? That's yeah. you want, he, he 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 you know height, weight, speed. Uh, that's what you want. He came from UConn, which is not exactly the football factory that uh, Troy yes. is. Or, it is not. You know, it's it is not. So yeah, no, but he's a developing guy. They made a few things. Look, I give them credit. You know, Devont, you know, we, we didn't like that. I didn't like it that they cut Ryan Connolly before the season for Devontae Downs, who now is getting three or four snaps a game, and Tay Crowder, who, as you know, was who? Who was Tay Crowder in the draft? I don't know. Mr. Don't know. Irrelevant. 
The last player taken from Georgia, he's now starting at an inside linebacker spot. So they are, they are, um, you know, they're making changes, and that's all. Ryan Lewis is now the starting cornerback. Yeah, he played great. Yeah, Corey Ballantyne zero snaps on defense. Isaac Yadam started, didn't like the way he played. He gets benched. So you know, they're there. This is what that first four games is: trial and error, trial and error. So far, unfortunately, a lot of error. Right? Yeah, a lot lot of error, but it is trending up after the stinker against the Niners. And guys, speaking of error, we'll wrap it on this before OC joins the show. The NFC East is one big error. It's just an abomination right now with the Eagles in first place one two and one the Cowboys were torched by the Browns giving up 49 points OBJ had three touchdowns and of course Washington lost to the Ravens guys there's a chance that you know six and ten seven and nine could win the NFC East we've said this before early in the seasons you know I don't think it'll happen but um yes one win uh after a month and you're in first place is um, is pretty good if you're the Giants who have no wins after a month. Yeah, and listen, I thought the Eagles, you know, traveling across country, did play better yesterday. They put together a nice game and ended up beating a team that absolutely blew us out. Nick Mullins is not Joe Montana, is he, Lawrence? He was not. The West Coast Nick Mullins is a little bit different animal than East Coast Nick Mullins. He must be from the East Coast. He played horribly. Um, But I think, you know, to that point, the Eagles staff had a plan because we didn't know what the hell Nick Mullins was going to do. And so, you know, obviously Kyle Shanahan exposed that and used it to his advantage. They kind of went back to some of the same plays he ran against us. Not so fast. The Eagles shut him down. He looked like an undrafted, whatever he is, quarterback. So Cowboys, good God. I mean, they're going to throw for 500 yards, but they're also going to give up 50. Listen, there's something there, but listen, we got to win a game before we can start talking about winning a division. So, but I do, I don't think anyone scares us in our division. All right, close it on this. I know you have some honest thoughts on OBJ and Giants fans who still have kind of a love affair with him. What's, what are your thoughts, Tynesy, on OBJ? Well, you see it all over Twitter, right? Oh, we traded that guy. We, you know, listen, he is an absolutely once in a lifetime type talent at receiver, but the emotions, the energy he brings to a football team, he just retired last week. All of a sudden he scores this week and now he wants to play football and smile for the camera and wave. And two weeks from now, when he's not getting the ball, when it's the Chubb Hunt show, we're going to hear another issue about maybe he's not getting the football But listen, winning cures everything. I will say that they are winning, um, but that can only keep him down so much. I love Odell Beckham just like every single Giants fan did. I do. He's great to me. He's great to my kids. I see him, but he's too emotional, and we don't know what's going to happen with this Browns team. It's just going to take – listen, if I was a betting man, I think they'll go on a bad losing streak, and then things will start happening. It's usually a safe bet to bet against the Browns. Let's talk to O.C. Joining the show now is two-time Super Bowl champion defensive end. He's a two-time pro bowler. He's an all-pro. He's in the Giants' ring of honor. He had 85 sacks in his career. He's one of five British-born players to win a Super Bowl. Another one of the five is the co-host of this show. Another thing our guests and Tynesy share in common is that they both went to Troy University. It's like the little Troy Giants over there. He's a Troy Hall of Famer, though. He holds the Giants franchise record for sacks in a game with six. He did that in that memorable game against the Eagles. He's now the co-host of the Jason and OC podcast with another former Giant, Jason Bell. And he hosts the NFL show with BBC. He's over the pond, mate. It's number 72, 
Osi Uminiora. Osi, Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz. Welcome to Blue Rush. How are you? Man, this is awesome. Awesome to be here, man. What an introduction. Incredible. Excellent. Love I needed a megaphone for that. That's the, that's the only thing I'm missing. <laughs> hey, nothing but the best for our Troy guys. Hey, Osi, thanks for coming on. Everyone knows a lot about you obviously from your playing days, but the one thing for me that sticks out, and I, I brag about this all the time because I brag about you all the time, is you were a non-combine invitee. And still to this day, and I don't know, this could have changed, but you are the highest drafted player never to attend the combine. I, I, I believe, I don't know if that's been beaten. So let's just say it hasn't. Second round pick, talk about that. Did that, what was the, you know, obviously you were ticked off and and, and obviously a great player, but to go in the second round, did you expect that? Um, no, 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 not at all. And I think um, I, I was probably expecting to go fourth round. That's what my agent had told me anyway. Second round, I was I was at home by myself watching the draft. Um, I told everybody that I wasn't going until the next day. So nobody was coming over to the next day to actually watch the draft. So I was sitting at home on the couch by myself when, um, you know, all of a sudden my phone rang and my agent was like, hey, um, I think something something weird is going on here. And um, he was like, I think they're about to draft you. And I was, you know, in my pajamas. I'm like, what? <laughs> what, are you, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> and then, um, you know, they went up there and the guy started struggling with my name. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this, this is actually happening. And um, so it was a surreal experience. But um, not getting invited to the Combine, up, I, I went to Troy, which is a small school. Um, I was training for the, for the Combine in Paramus, New Jersey, to be honest with you. And then when they found out that I wasn't getting invited to the combine, my agents actually sent me home because it was an expense to keep me there. And, you know, they didn't know if I was going to get drafted. So I went home and I started doing all those same drills by myself. I was timing myself in the 40, you know, with the stopwatch and time myself in all those drills. And I just kept on working through. And then eventually it got to where they, um, we had pro days. And I know Lawrence, you would know this. We had pro days at Troy. We had three different pro days. And so the, a bunch of different teams came to see us over there. And at my pro day, I just, you know, knocked it out of the park with my 40 time and my athleticism and my agility drills. And then they actually went to go watch the tape and they were like, God, this guy can actually play. And so, um, I eventually get it, ended up getting drafted that high because of my numbers at, at my pro day and, you know, what I put on film. Oh, see, I, I, it's Paul. Um, good to hear you. I, um, you know, I so vividly remember in 2003, you know, I'm, I'm covering the Giants and I'm covering the draft and they draft. William Joseph in the first round, right? And they say, okay, easy. Yep. A guy with two yep. first names, easy, easy to spell. And then they draft <laughs> this guy and I, you know, from Troy and I see, okay, OC. And I say, okay, I don't know how to say this name. And now I got to learn how to spell it, right? It's not about yeah, pronunciation. Yeah. It's about knowing how to spell the name. And I think by the end of your second year, I probably learned how to spell it without looking at it. And and I remember in 2007, the game you had against the Eagles, uh, I think the team yeah. had, what, nine or ten sacks? I think nine, right, against the against um, Donovan? Total 12. We ended up with 12 that day. Well, right, 12. And you had six of them. And I've never seen this before. You're lining up against Winston Justice. And yeah. at some point in the game, didn't Michael Strahan or some of your teammates actually look over to the bench and tell Andy Reid, Andy, get someone else in here because this guy can't block him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, man. Uh, my teammates actually started hating on me, especially Tuck. Uh, you got to see, you got to see uh, uh, one of the plays after I got. I think it was my six, my six sack. Tuck looked away in disgust. It was, it was so funny on tape. Um, it, it was a, a crazy night, surreal experience, man. But I 
think the one thing that uh, people, I think, often overlooked is, is Steve Spagnuolo came from there. And so he was doing things to actually make Andy Reid keep that guy on the island. He was walking the linebackers up to freeze the, the running back so the running back wouldn't be able to chip. He did everything to put me in a situation where they thought that I had the advantage over here and they were going to take advantage. And so um, that's why I was able to, um, to, to perform at that level on that particular night. It's crazy. Does a player ever feel sorry for for a, a, an opponent in a situation like that? Or are you just like, I got six, give me seven? Oh, no. If I could have got 12, I would have gotten 12. I wanted to kill that guy. <laughs> Um, I only I, I would say I felt sorry for him afterwards when I saw um, the, the the reactions of what had happened that night and you know even to this day if you mention his name the first thing people say is oh you gave up six sacks and so I felt bad after the fact because I, I felt like it was a little unfair but you know during when it was happening no 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 not at all <laughs> not one bit yep oh see I rocked your uh, Super Bowl jersey while watching the game yesterday you were one of my favorite <laughs> players man you were so explosive defensive end outside linebacker you attacked the quarterback like no other and you were part of such a special group with Strahan with Tuck with JPP Kiwanuka you guys had so much talent I mean can you talk about just the memories playing with such an elite pass rush that the Giants have missed since you guys have been gone yeah, it was it, it was incredible. I think um, the one thing that you don't really realize when you're in that environment is how special it was. Because I, I left there and I went to Atlanta and it just wasn't, you know, you don't have that those caliber of players around you. You're not able to elevate your game the way that, you know, I did in New York. And it was something that I don't think I really fully appreciated while I was there. Um, what I did appreciate was being around those people. Like, they, they were just incredible people, man. Incredible, incredible. We had such a good time. The competition in there was so intense. Um, and they just kept on bringing in player after player after player after player. And you had to, you know, you had to perform in practice on a daily basis to be able to keep your, your, your spot in the pecking order. And so just being in that environment, um, so intense, so much fun. It was incredible, man. And I miss those guys to this day. We have a, a, a defensive line WhatsApp group and we give each other, uh, the business in there too. So it, it was, it was an incredible time and we were able to accomplish incredible things. I got another question. This one a lot of people know about, but you, you obviously played with DeMarcus Ware, two of the premier pass rushers in the last 20 years in the NFL. The number four ranked defense, I believe it was your senior year. You yeah. and Demarcus. The, the other story, backstory is that you two also went to the same high school in Auburn, Alabama, and Auburn didn't recruit either one of you. I, to me, it's one of the most mind blowing stories. Here, here's two of the best pass rushers in the last twenty years in the NFL in their backyard, and Auburn did not recruit. There's a reason why, right? Yeah, I, I think you know Demarcus. Oddly enough, you know me and Demarcus came. We, we were we used to ride the same bus and we were sitting next to each other. Marcus wasn't even playing football at this point. I wasn't playing football. We were just you know friends on on the bus because we lived in the same in the same neighborhood. And Marcus was quiet. He was a baseball player. I think he, he was more of a receiver in high school. And so I left and you know I, I got the scholarship to go to Troy, but Troy was the only school that gave me a scholarship. So it wasn't just Auburn. I, I got to be completely honest, I wasn't really that good of a high school player. I didn't develop until I got to college. Uh, in high school, I was just, I didn't even know what American football was until I was 15 years old. That was the first time I actually saw American football. So I developed kind of late. And um, DeMarcus, DeMarcus was like 185 pounds when he got to Troy. He was, he was skinny, man. And Troy was the only team that um, offered him a scholarship also. So I think what happened there, and maybe I'm giving Auburn more credit than they deserve, but I think what happened there was because we developed so late, 
um, they didn't really give us that much of a chance. And by the time we had developed into the players that we were, we were already at Troy just balling. Oh, see, uh, Jerry Reese um, obviously drafted a lot of players. Uh, he once said you were his favorite, you know, one of his favorite picks or maybe his favorite pick. Why do you think that was? Well, I, I think with, with with him, it was the fact that not only did nobody really think I should be going that high besides them, it was just he had his fingerprints all all on that pick, um, him and Ernie Acorsi. Um, and they took a lot of – they took a beating for that pick because everyone, nobody knew who I was. And they were like, oh, why are you drafting this guy out of Troy? And, and then the whole Eli Manning uh, saga happened when um, I think San Diego was, was looking to – you know, take me away from the Giants, and they flatly refused all that, and I still hadn't done anything at that point. I only had one sack, so there was a, there was a lot of investment in me as a as a player just from their reputation. And you know, he felt like he saw something, and you know, Ernie felt like they saw something in me that nobody at the time saw. And so when I, I developed into the player that I, I turned into, and they had stood by me, you know, through that whole process, it was vindication for them in some respect that. We saw this guy. We thought this guy was going to be a good player. He came out of a small school, and nobody thought he was going to amount to nothing. And here he is. He's an all-pro player. So I think I, um, I vindicated, you know, their trust in me, and I think that's why I turned out to be um, uh, one of his favorite players. Yeah, so you're exactly right, because that deal with Eli Manning and the Chargers would not have happened. They wanted you badly. They wanted you in the deal. Up until the time the T- Giants were on the clock, they called and said, we want OC. And he said, we told you 20 times you're not getting OC. So that's, they, they, you could have been a, you could have been OC the charger. Right. You really could have been. Now, OC, um, since you're not, you're, you're in London, so you can't wring my neck. I just have one little analysis I want you to give me. Okay. Can you tell me what you think of Arsenal's fast start in the Premier League? And if, oh my and, God. And if your man U team is tanking for Trevor, what's going on there, OC? Listen, man, Arsenal, Arsenal are known front runners. They've been known as front runners from the beginning. They're not going to amount to nothing in the end. Uh, Manchester United is going to be in the top four. Obviously, Arsenal, they, you know, they signed Obama Yang, you know, to a long-term extension. I think their, their coach, Arteta, is a pretty good coach, but they're going to fall flat a little bit later on. And I think we, you both, we both know this. So, Paula, you know, enjoy your little first. What do you got? Three and one. Enjoy that for now. Um, midway through the season or halfway or at the end of the season. Arsenal is going to be down in the bottom, fighting for relegation where they belong. Oh, look at the table. That's all I have to say, OC. Look at the table. Look we at just, the table. We've just officially lost a thousand listeners. <laughs> oh, and, and we just gained about a million, right, OC, in your well, next words. Send them, send them the link. Send them the link. Yes. That, that, that was the football segment of the podcast. The European uh, football. OC, you, you came, you were there, and then Eli came. That's rare that a guy, you know, before Eli, we don't even know what that era was was it just seems so long ago what was your relationship like with Eli and kind of did you see the development and growth from him over the years I mean were you guys like a brotherhood oh no question Eli Eli is as you guys know he's a quiet guy he wasn't a rah-rah guy wasn't a very vocal guy but me and Eli got along very very well um as a matter of fact me and Eli had a tradition I don't even remember when this started must have been 2006 um where I would go to Eli before every single game where the weather was good and you know he went to uh, Ole Miss so he went to a southern school obviously I went to Detroit which is in Alabama and I would go to him and I'd be like Eli now you know us boys from the south you know how we perform when the weather is good and he'd be like yep okay I know exactly how we perform and he would go out there and he would usually have a good game 
And so, you know, whenever the weather was good, I would go to him and I'd be like, Eli, you know how we perform when the weather's good? He'd be like, I know exactly what you mean. You know, see, we, we just continue that throughout, I think it was from 2006 all the way through the time when I left there. Um, he, he was a good guy. I really enjoyed being around him, professional. Um, I would get there early, usually every single day. And um, he was the only person who I would see there or I would see his car there before me. Just, just a great professional, great person, great teammate. So essentially you went up to him about 12 times in his career when the weather was nice. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And I think we won all those games, actually. Oh, see, we've been together since you were 16. I think I was 19, maybe, at Troy. Yep. yep. I mean, yep. do you ever – I sit back and think about this all – between me, you, Jarrell, DeMarcus, but more so you because we spent the most time together at Troy. I mean, yeah. I remember one time looking at you after the second Super Bowl thinking, we were at Troy eating at the cafeteria <laughs> – and on 14-hour bus rides, like just yeah. pinching myself thinking, man, that's my 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 dude from, from college. Like it, it just – do you ever sit back and think about that? Because I do. I mean, maybe it's because I'm getting older, but so proud of you and obviously playing with you, but just everything that kind of went with it. And now look where you are today. I, I just – I'm blown away. It just – how how life works, how football works, but being able to share those moments with you was and, and Jarrell was one of the coolest things in my career. I think I think you know LT like the the, the things that we we went through and the things that we saw uh, it, it's it's mind blowing um, to see where we are right now and like just being on those buses, those oh, bus rides, man. And this is something that a lot of guys won't know about Lawrence Pines, uh, and they won't appreciate about Lawrence Pines. But I have to tell the story also because we were the defensive players at Troy. These were like the real the goons, the defensive players at Troy, and they were like, you know, I don't want to make this a racial thing, but they were like all the black players, and so all the black players would sit on the back of the bus and it was it was hell back there and you know it was fights people throwing things at each other making fun of each other because we had 14 hour bus rides and oddly enough there'd be one white guy sitting (laughs) on the back of the bus one white guy sitting on the back of the bus amongst all that chaos and it was Lawrence Pines and he didn't care man he's just back there he was in it with everybody and everybody loved and respected LT, man. This guy was a grown man and he literally had ice water running through his veins. So any, whenever we get into a situation, oh, Lawrence Sines needs to make this kick to win. We weren't concerned. He was sitting, this guy was sitting in the back of the bus with nothing but black people. Hey, you get to know your teammates real well on 14 hour bus rides. I mean, it it wasn't Juco. We weren't Juco level. Grind, but one double A football was a grind compared to what big schools have. <laughs> yeah, it, it was cool though, man. And and just knowing that we've been through that and then, you know, we're on the same team all of a sudden. You know, I remember when Lawrence signed from Kansas City. I think you were at Kansas City first, right? And yeah. And then you came to the Giants. And so came to the Giants, I'm like, wow, me and LT are on the same team and then we're winning Super Bowls and we're like teammates. It was, um, it was incredible, man. Absolutely incredible. So yeah, Jerry Reese traded a box of tape and some Gatorade for me, so that was a pretty good deal. <laughs> Worked out well for him. Damn, I'm yeah. getting emotional here, and you you guys uh, look back in the past. Nah, talk- that's cool. I'm just so proud of Tynes in the past has talked about Bus 1 and Bus 2 on the Giants, that he, he was part of the bus cool one. kids in Bus 1. Were you one of the cool kids in Bus 1, or were you a Bus 2 guy? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, was, I would go to the stadium a little bit late, so I think that was the second bus, right? Second bus, bus two was the the guys who would go late. So I was on I was on bus two, but in in um in Troy we were we were on bus three. Bus three. Bus three. Yep, that was the one we were on at Troy. Hey, in the back. 
Hey, if you've ever been on a bus from Troy, Alabama to Boone, North Carolina, good lord, Sam yeah. Houston State, Texas, what crazy? It's, wow. uh, you know, you know the, the, these reminiscences are, are, you know, and Super Bowls and bus rides. Um, you know, if you wonder if the Giants of today, OC, the twenty twenty Giants, will look back and have any fond memories. What what do you look mm. at when you see your franchise? that you won Super Bowls with, and, and what's happened to them, the, the losing, um, some dysfunction, the coaching changes. Do you look at them and say, what happened to my Giants? Uh, is there a solution? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel there, O.C.? I look at the Giants, I think, the same way I look at America. I think I look at the Giants with a lot of fun memories, but then I'm like, man, what the hell happened? <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a great analogy. Great analogy. It's a, it's a, it's some absolute craziness going on there right now. To think that in the past eight seasons, they've had one winning record, I think, it, it just doesn't make any sense for a team with that kind of pride and with that kind of history and with what we had done the eight years prior to that. Um, it, it, it's really unfortunate, man. But in, in some form or fashion, man, they, they've almost lost their way. They've lost their identity. Like, what is the New York Giants identity right now? I, I couldn't even tell you what it is. We were hard-nosed. We were a physical team. We would grind it out, and then defensively, we would bludgeon you. Offensively, that offensive line, they were a strong, powerful unit. And, you know, they were creating holes. We were running the ball. Eli Mann was an outstanding quarterback. We had a great kicker. This was the Giants' identity. And now it's like I couldn't even tell you what it is. I, I, I don't know what, what they are as a football team. And how that happened, how that transpired, I, I will never really understand. What do we need to do to get back to where we were? That's, that's another story all in itself. Yeah, it's, it's going to take a lot for the Giants to ever reach uh, that level again. OCU Manure. You can follow them on Twitter, at OCU Manure. Instagram, you're on there now. Finally, the Uprise World. Tell us, OC, about what you're doing over the pond. Catch us up on uh, your life a little bit. Yeah, well, I think um, while I was still playing, I always just had an eye for just wanting to do something different. And so, you know, I started to speak to uh, Mark Waller, who was the head of NFL International. I think when I came to, when we came in 07, um, LT, we came to play a game in England and it, it was sold out. I was like, man, this is crazy. So in my head, I was like, you know, maybe the future is going to be, you know, international. Maybe I'll be able to make a bigger impact on an international level um, than I would in America. So I started to speak to him about, you know, maybe coming to, to do things in England when I retire. And so um, as soon as I retired, literally a week after I retired, um, I was in England at the NFL office here and um, started doing some different things out here, um, working on the player pathway, which was getting players to um, the NFL from international backgrounds and then did that. We started, we created the practice squad thing out here. Then we created the NFL Academy for um, international students to be able to learn the game of the NFL. And then I started to do some television work um, because, you know, as you know, there are four games a year now and these are broadcast on the BBC. So there's an audience, a, a massive audience for um, football here in, in, in the United Kingdom. So I started to do broadcasting work with the BBC and that's been very successful. Won a couple of awards doing that. And so I'm here, man. I'm, I'm here in England, man. It seems like I, I came over at just the right time, you know? Yeah, well, you're missing a lot of uh, craziness over here on this side. So it's it's good to hear from someone over the pond. You know, the only thing we've heard over there is, you know, the impression of Lawrence's mom uh, with the rubbish. Uh, <laughs> got a accent. OC, we love you here in New York. Giants fans miss you. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you taking the time to come on with us. It was good taking a trip down memory lane. Oh, anytime, man. Anytime you guys need me. Thanks for having me. OC, thank you, bud. Thanks, see ya. Thanks.
That ends episode 41, the Willie Williams edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Please give Blue Rush a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and write in a nice review. If you don't use Apple, find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Google. For Paul Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Steins. We'll be back on Thursday as we preview the Giants matchup against the division rival Cowboys in Dallas. Stay safe.